for listening. Thank you for listening. To the Outstanding Ohioans. Outstanding Ohioans. Hello, thank you for tuning in to the Outstanding Ohioans show with your host, Ron Silico. This is episode 34. Today I have the pleasure of interviewing someone who whose business is just down the road from me in Ross, Ohio, Tiffany Young. She is the founder and owner of Young Leaders Learning Center in Ross, Ohio, which just opened this past October. Tiffany, welcome to the show. Thank you. Well, Tiffany, as as we do with all our guests on the show, what I first wanted to do was, could you give us a little bit of your your background, where you grew up, what were your favorite activities, who were your role models, heroes, and mentors that made a difference in your life? Absolutely. So I grew up in a small suburb in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I lived with my mom. She was a single mom. Um, I am an only child, so I like to read, play school in my room, you know, pretend like there were actually students there, and I was teaching, and I'd go around and do the work myself. Um, I love to play outside, ride my bike, and, you know, do all those fun outside activities. Um, I think my most influential uh, role model was probably my kindergarten teacher. I feel like I probably had a calling my entire life to be a school teacher. I love to play school. I bring him Xeroxes and do them on my own. Um, And she... Um, I think I was pretty apprehensive about going to school, but then she was such a like amazing, warm, sweet um, teacher, and I was just drawn to her. Her name is Claudia Oxley when she was my teacher. Um, now she is married, and um, her name is Claudia Farmer. I still actually have kept in touch with her. Um, she is a principal for Northwest Local Schools, hmm. and um, you know we still have a really good relationship. Um, I think. When I started college, I decided that I was going to go into nursing. Um, I went to UC for my undergrad in 1997, and then I was in nursing for about two weeks, and I was like, definitely not nursing. (laughs) Like, I'm definitely not into nursing, so I knew right away. Um, And I think education was always my calling, but I kind of um, shied away from education because I felt like, um, I wanted to be more successful. I wanted to make more money. And as we know, education sometimes, um, you know, we're on the low spectrum of, you know, financial stability, I would say. Um, and because I did grow up in a single-parent household, I didn't want to struggle like I knew my mom did. Um, she wasn't an educator. She worked for a large company. But going in as an entry job, she made like $50,000. So, and there was really not much where, towards the end of her career. There wasn't much of, you know, for growth for her either. So, but anyway, I thought nursing was going to give me a greater opportunity to achieve that. But unfortunately, my heart had, a, or fortunately, my heart had a different idea so, than my brain. So, <laughs> um, I basically felt like I was born an educator for young children. So, and then that's what led me to UC. I graduated um, from there in 2000. I did a full year of teaching unpaid. Um, they did like a five-year internship. And then when I graduated in 2001, I went to Miami in 2002 to get my master's in educational leadership. And from there, I was a um, school teacher for 14 years and worked in a charter school for underprivileged children and pretty much um, realized, you know, 14 years later, it was either do something different or I'm pretty much capped out as far as salary goes. So, um, and a couple other factors played into that decision. Um, I moved to Ross, which was an hour commute from my work. making it very difficult for me to get my children off the bus and things like that. So this also played a factor in, you know, opening this child care center because my son was going into kindergarten. We have half-day kindergarten here. When I started looking at the, you know, availability of child care in this area, um, I wanted more of an educationally-based program 
for my child. Not that any other, you know, program isn't as good, but for me, I felt like they didn't um, rely on education as much as I would have liked for my son because he was already reading at the age of four. So that's basically why I decided to open up my own learning center and base it mostly on, you know, learning as a young child because there's so much research that focuses on um, the vocabulary of children before the age of two, exposing them to education earlier in life um, because there's, you know, windows of opportunity and, and those windows are very young. So um, I think that's basically about it. And hopefully Perfect. that answers your question oh it sure does <laughs> so it, it, it generated a lot of questions for me oh good uh, as an education major it's becoming more and more common but you were you went the charter school route rather than the public school route mm-hmm. so are you an advocate for school choice and what and if what were the what was the benefits of a charter school versus a traditional public school in, in a same urban type setting? Um, I think there are some positives and negatives of every situation. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll start with the positives. I think there was a lot of autonomy for the children or for the student, the teachers. They're allowed to do like a whole lot more, um, less regulated as far as from the state. Um, perspective. Obviously, we still have to do standardized testing and stuff like that, but as far as in the classroom, I know the school that I was at, um, I was able to focus on a lot of real-world skills. Um, We did, like, um, an hour of the end of the day where the children would switch into different classrooms, and we would do real-world type skills. So, I did banking one year, um, I so the children who were interested in that, they would come and we would learn how to do banking. Um, there were other things like culinary arts, there was horticulture, there was all these different types of, you know, little groups that you could be in based on your interests. So I think um, that was appealing to me. Um, but then again, there are tons of cons as well. I think um, ultimately for me it was, um, the person who owned the school had their hand in everything, so it's pretty much kind of like a dictatorship a little bit, and there was less um, stakeholders or people that were involved in decision-making, so um, that was a downfall, as well as not having a union to protect the workers. I think that was another huge downfall as well. So. Um, Ultimately, I don't think I really chose to go the charter school route opposed to the public school. Mm-hmm. Um, that position just kind of fell in my lap. A friend of mine had worked for the school, and um, a teacher had left in the middle of November. I was actually working for 4C in um, uh, East Walnut Hills at the mm-hmm. time and got offered a position that was paying me $6,000 more than um, what I had been getting paid to be a lead preschool teacher and overseeing two other, um, you know, student teachers. So I think kind of just the opportunity was there. Um, like I said, I didn't force a, like, choose public school over, or mm-hmm. choose charter school over public school. It just kind of was an opportunity for me. I think um, overall I probably um, – and then I got comfortable, you know what I mean? I was, mm-hmm. it was like just the monotony of being there every day. And I, I just, it was, I know what it's like. I know what to expect. You know, if, you know, my supervisor was grumpy that day, I just knew to avoid her. You know what I mean? I just kind of got into the, and then by the time I realized it was like, I know this sounds crazy, but literally I'm like, wait a minute, I've been here for 10 years. I've done this for 10 years. What am I doing? Hmm. So I think that's, you get comfortable and, and, and you just kind of just go with the flow. So I really didn't choose uh, charter over public. Okay. okay. So, so it sounds like the, the foundation of your business idea was you just, you saw a need because there weren't there weren't businesses around that were meeting your expectations. So, That's exactly right. So you think, you grabbed the bull by the horns and said, "Yeah, well, I can do this myself." 
Well, yeah, and I just felt like, um, you know, I, I I would want better for my children, so I want to have that opportunity for someone else. And, you know, um, not that other places probably don't have I mean, I'm sure they have great things about them, but for me, um, I just wanted more education, more focus on, you know, excuse me, teaching the basics to the children early because I know it's so important, especially I think it's like a double-edged sword because I see it on the, on the front end with my own children, but then I also saw it being a school teacher, you know, having children come to my third-grade class and not knowing how to read. Um, I will tell you that, you know, my intervention specialist at my school was always like, anytime you want me to evaluate a student, I know immediately to go ahead and evaluate them because you have tried everything. So I think I, I became very skilled as being a reading teacher, so that was also a huge um, push for me and also my education at uh, Miami, you know, having that leadership mm-hmm. um, underneath me. Plus, I was a mentor at my charter school, so I mentored all the teachers as well. So I have a lot of um, leadership experience. Um, and then prior to opening this business, I also had another small business that we had um, for four years. So I know a lot about the business aspect. I also know a lot about the education. I wanted to be close to home. So like I said, there's lots and lots of factors that have played into um, opening the learning center. Okay. So from the start of your career to where you're at today, how has your philosophy of education changed over time? (laughs) That's a great question. Um, Overall, I feel like my philosophy has changed tremendously on education over the past 18 years, Um, especially when I think about, like I told you, reading is kind of my forte. I love reading. I love teaching math, too, but reading is so important. Um, Initially, I think it was more of like a whole language person where um, now I feel like I have more of an understanding on um, some better practices of teaching reading. While, you know, I haven't completely strayed away from whole language, I think there are some very good components um, of whole language. But I, um, I, I tend to lean more towards, more heavily towards phonics. Um, but I think there's a happy medium between the two of them. Um, more focus on sight words rather than, I mean, more focus on phonics rather than sight words. Um, Whereas before, I was more, you know, don't cite words, that type of reading teacher. Whereas now, I feel like more uh, phonics-based because of my experiences and and what has worked for me in the classroom. And I think that's really what has changed how I feel is is the results. You know, what what I have seen. You know, I have a child who comes in my room and knows 10 of the 23 letters of or 26 letters of the alphabet that's all they know and they can count to three and they're in the third grade and then by the end of the school year i have them reading full sentences now they're not reading on grade level but they're at least reading Mm -hmm. when they only knew you know a few letters of the alphabet so i think that's really what has changed how i feel um about instruction basically you know like I said, I, I lie heavily on reading because it does, you know, guide so much of our lives. Right. So. so you see you see this need in the community mm-hmm. because there's not a daycare center that meets your needs. Right. From so so that's the germ of the idea. Absolutely. How, so how do you start what's your process, Tiffany, to where, okay, this is my idea. Let's did, what was the first thought? Let's let's have the building and then develop the curriculum. Did you have a curriculum in your head? Um, was it a was developing the curriculum a process? Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and I still think that I'm not fully set on a purchasable curriculum right now. I like to I do themes um, heavily based in reading, as you probably imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, so we use lots of um, picture books and storybooks to. Um, bring that theme to life, um, reading and song singing, that type of thing. But 
for me, spending $3,000 on a curriculum, like, say, uh, teaching strategies that cost $3,000, there are good parts of all curriculums that I have researched, but then not everything that I like. So it's like I almost need my own curriculum. So what I've done is um, use some Orton-Gillingham. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's our um, phonics-based reading uh, approach. So I use a little bit of Orton-Gillingham as well as phonics, which goes hand-in-hand, and then, like I said, themes along with the reading aspect. And then how I typically do it is most of the themes that I choose are science or social studies-based, which kind of brings that in, too. So it's basically a way to combine all the subjects together. Um, So as far as the curriculum, I know um, when I decided to open the center, um, like you said, it was basically for my, because what I saw, I was just like, wow, there is a need in this area for quality formal education. So um, with all the research that I've read, and I love to read about education um, and the new research that comes out, but there's so much information about the benefits of early learning before the age of two. And so I knew that that's my purpose, is to provide that for this area, especially in this fast-paced life right now. I feel like dual-working families, you know, it's hard because, and I know that because I do have four children, and they're all in sports, and they all go to school, and it's like, okay, it's time for your homework. Okay, well, i got to run you to the here, and i got to do this for you. So I feel like trying to alleviate that stress of, you know, teaching or doing, helping with the homework, teaching at home, because that's ultimately our goal is to have that before and after school care where there is, um, you know, tutoring help to help with, obviously, Common Core. I have experience with that, and I know a lot of parents are like, no, we don't like Common Core. This is awful. But I think there are some great benefits of Common Core. One is, you know, making standards across the board everywhere. And I think it's just something new. And when there is change, there's always going to be some, you know, ripples and ties along the way. But I feel like if everybody kind of just embraces it and tries to hang on, we'll get through this you know, storm right now, and that's really how um, it it seems to me how it is, you know, as far as many families rebelling against the Common Core, but I I do have the experience to help with that, and so I think, um, you know, training my teachers to to be able to do what I I know works well is, um, is ultimately my goal in order to help the families, basically free up their time in the evening to be a family, you know, to eat dinner together, to talk, to go outside, to kick the soccer ball or throw the baseball because family plays such a huge, you know, factor in in our children's lives. And I just feel like sometimes we're so busy we just don't stop for a minute to, you know, experience those anymore. So that's huge for me. Okay. So you got the idea, you've – You've got in, in in your mind how you would develop the curriculum. How did you develop your business plan, and how did you get the funding to open your facility? Okay, so um, basically I got the – well, the funding is all myself. So um, the push to open this year was basically driven by outside factors such as, like, working far away, like I said, needing to get my kindergartner off the bus. But ultimately my timeline didn't – um, line up with the greater beans because <laughs> I was thinking next year and then I ended up having to quit my job or walk away from my position at um, um, in October. Um, so it came a lot quicker than I anticipated. So um, I did sell an old business. Like I mentioned before, I did have a business um, which I sold um, in 2013, so I had a little bit of startup money. Um, but prior to, like, having even playing that, I started a business plan back in, I guess, 
around the summer of 2013, just kind of researching the area using the census of 2010, that was the most recent, to find out how many families here have children, you know, what's the need here, basically. Mm -hmm. um, I went around and um, toured other daycares to see what they have here and what, what they're doing. And that was, you know, prior to me saying, oh, my gosh, there's a need here. Um, they were full when I tried to even get my son in there. And I just feel like, you know, that, that with this is this area is growing constantly. I knew that there was, you know, a need in this area. So then fast forward again back to um, after the business plan, I decided to, um, I saved that money from the other business, selling the other business. Um, and then I, when I left my position in October, I decided that I was going to take my retirement out. I cashed in my retirement, hmm. um, which was a very stressful, scary decision. Um, I didn't just one day do it. I did lots of research. Mm -hmm. um, I was going to get a loan from the bank, but as I started looking into, like, startup costs, what it was going to end up costing me, um, I was going to be paying a whole lot more and expect it a lot quicker, whereas I knew if I took out my retirement, I could pay it back on my own time, mm. which that is obviously my plan, so I don't mm. encourage that. But <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think um, you know, for me, it was either that or have to pay back this large sum of money in a small amount of time. And from having another business, which already had a client base, I knew that was hard to start building up. And I already had clients there. So this is a brand new business, no clients. I'm starting from zero, from scratch. So it's a lot of um, unknowns. And I just didn't want to run the risk of having to pay such a huge loan back um, without knowing for sure. Do you know what I'm saying? Sure. So, um, both of them are very risky, but... Um, Ultimately, in the end, that's what I decided to do. So upfront costs, um, like I said, I've used all my own capital um, well over well over what I anticipated, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, and ultimately, just my husband and I, we funded the whole entire thing by ourselves. So that's, okay. that's where it came from. Great. Great. So as you're developing your curriculum, you've, you've got your business plan in place. You come up with the name Young Leaders Learning Center. Mm -hmm. what, yeah. what did you, what do you want, what did you envision rather as by making the statement young leaders, what, what are you envisioning your facility is doing for children? Yeah, that's funny that you asked that because that was an ongoing argument between my husband and I, because obviously, you know, we are a team, we work together, my husband has a full-time job, but he still obviously helps support me through this decision, and um, it's very important to have his support, you know, through this, because it is such a huge risk, but he wanted Kid Camp, and I wanted Young Leaders Learning Center. Obviously, I wanted it to be a learning center, I'm very much involved in education, like I told you, it's like my main component of my whole life, it's literally like... My children will tell you, even my oldest son, he will say, my mom breathes education <laughs> because I stress it so much. It's, it's so important. And whereas my husband, he's more of the, you know, let's go outside and play. So, you know, that kind of stuff. All oh, that can wait. She doesn't have to do that. You know, that kind of stuff. So um, what we did is he likes Kid Camp and I like Young Leaders Learning Center. So we actually did a poll hmm. of our friends. We sent out um, just a message saying, okay, we are looking to open up a daycare center. We are not going to give you any other information. Here are some options and names. We gave them four, and then um, the results came back with, of course, mine. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so you know, obviously, uh, you know, I won the poll or whatever, so then we um, went by Young Leaders Learning Center. So the reason why I chose that, though, is because I was – um, focused on, um, I'm trying to, I can't even, my, my mind just went to blank right now, but um, leader, um, learning today, leaders of tomorrow learning today. That's basically what drove me um, 
to do, you know, I want to inspire children to be the best that they can be, obviously, later on down 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 the road, not when they're 13 or maybe when they're 13, but when they're older and, and to be inspired by, you know, I can do this. I can do whatever I put my mind to. So stressing that, you know, whatever you have the heart, the, you know, drive to do, you can do it. You can make it happen. Um, I think that's huge, you know, just inspiring in children that they can be what they want and they can do what they want. They just have to, A, focus on education <laughs> and, you know, really take it seriously because, like I tell my, my oldest son all the time, you know, he'll be going to college here in the next year or two, and I'm just like, you know, education is so important. You're, you know, the sports, the girlfriends, all this other stuff is secondary to this because this is going to basically determine what type of life you live, you know, and, and if you want to live a certain type of life, then you have to make education a priority. Yeah. So, um, but that's basically, I think, what drove me to name it that. And, um, you know, like I said, I, I want I want everyone to realize that this is an educational program. This is not glorified babysitting. Yes, it is a daycare, and you can bring six weeks to five years or kindergarten age, but, you know, even um, I did watch a small infant over the winter um, before the center opened in my home, and we did exercises every day. We read books every day. We sang songs every day, and he was four months old. Mm -hmm. That is what I envision for this place is interacting with the children, not like they're invisible, not like they're not there, like they are little tiny human beings that are learning constantly. Mm -hmm. So setting a good role model, being, you know, inspiration for them to, to, to be the best that they can be, basically. Okay. So that's that's ultimately why I decided, or I shall say we decided, or everyone who was told basically decided <laughs> on the name. For the audience, could you take, Tiffany, can you take them through a visual, verbal tour of your facility? Absolutely. So when you walk in the front door, we are um, a secured facility, so you do have to, um, you know, access your code. Everybody has their own code, so if someone decides to leave the center, um, their code is just disabled and everybody else's is not affected. When you walk in, uh, you see the front desk, you're greeted typically by myself. Um, to the right, there is a kindergarten classroom. Our ratio in there is one to eight. We do have a morning and afternoon program. I don't know if you're familiar, but Ross has a half-day kindergarten, so half of the day. The children receive um, education from Elda or Morgan, and then they can actually come here. Um, hmm. The Elda students are bused by Ross, so they can get dropped off and picked up. As you walk down that back hall, um, to the right are the restroom facilities. Um, boys and girls, and then you go down the small hallway on the right side, and then there is the infant room, and in our infant room, we do only one to four. Um, we want individualized care. Ratios is huge to me. You, if you can comp compare our ratios to the states, you'll realize that we are significantly less than um, what they require, and that's because I want quality <laughs> education for all the students. As you walk down that hallway, there's our kitchen on the right. We do prepare lunch, breakfast, and two snacks, one after they wake up for nap, and then one in the evening between five and six, a very small snack. You can access the outside playground from um, a side door right there. So then if we come back to the front entrance again, um, on your right-hand side as you're coming down the hallway across from the restrooms, there's our 17 to 30-month classroom. And that classroom is 2 to 12. It's very, it's actually our largest room. Um, and typically the children stay in there until they're potty trained. Um, if you exit that room, you come across the front again to where the desk is. Uh, the first room on the left-hand side is the preschool room, which is where the children would go before, prior to going to kindergarten. And that classroom, we um, would love to teach them how to read and the basics of sounds and phonics in that classroom. Then if you continue down the hallway, on the next room on your left is the two-and-a-half to three classroom. In that classroom, all the children would be potty trained, and we do 
counting up to 10, weather, calendar, you know, all that good stuff. Each classroom has um, sensory table, easel, um, all that fun stuff, you know, dramatic play. If you continue down the hallway, the next room on your left is the three to four classroom. Um, in that classroom, we extend counting up to 30. Obviously, if the children were ready for more, we would continue, you know, building on what, what they know and what they um, are, you know, developmentally ready for. Uh, we do days of the week in that room, months of the year, as well as um, foundation of reading, like opposites and position words, up and up and down, over and under, that type of thing. Um, and that's basically our facility. Our um, capacity is 50, and um, so we're allowed to have 50 children at the facility at one time, and that's basically it. Okay. Uh, similar to your husband, I'm the I'm the recreation playground mentality. <laughs> so, as a kid, in your lear- at the Young Leaders Learning Center, what what kind of playground and what kind of play do you encourage? Uh, well, we do have an outside playground with climbing and monkey bars and slides. We do have small toddler toys like swinging and all that stuff. But in the, in the older rooms. Um, all the classrooms are set up for play, dramatic plays, a dress-up, kitchens, um, you know, that type of stuff. There's also building blocks, um, snap blocks, also cardboard blocks. So basically when you open up a center, you have to have um, certain components for every single classroom. So we use the early learning standards to basically guide us, and in each classroom um, we have all the components. We have art supplies, blocks and transportation, language arts materials like books and crayons and pencils. And um, we also have dry erase marker boards with lines on them. Um, We have dramatic play materials. We have gross motor equipment like hula hoops, jump ropes, balls, football, that kind of stuff. Oops. Are you there? Sorry. Yes, I'm here. Um, And then we also have stuff like manipulatives that encourage Gross motor and fine motor, such as, like, lacing, memory, potato head, nesting cups, stuff like that. Each classroom is also has musical equipment, like uh, drums, maracas, radio, that type of stuff. Um, and then the last two are um, science and nature. So you have to have, like, things like weather charts, books about animals, magnifying glass, small bugs or dinosaurs or little figurines or whatever. And then finally, and the last one is the sensory motor, which is like the sensory table, bubbles, Play-Doh, painting, shovels, that kind of stuff. So in each classroom, um, we have all of those components. And obviously, it's not instruction all day. We do it in small increments because there is lots of research on children um, remembering and retaining information um, given in small hmm. increments. So basically that's, that's what we have here and that's, that's what we focus on. Okay. I, maybe, maybe you had a sense for this and maybe you didn't. The, the stand you talked about, you just mentioned standards. Mm-hmm. What about the regulations of being a daycare facility? Did you have any idea what that entailed? Oh, no. (laughs) You've opened up a can of worms. Now, there are so many regulations. I mean, I knew there would be regulations as far as, you know, the basic things, but I literally did not realize the the extent, the rules, the – there are – there's like an entire handbook on um, the rules, and – Remember, they're constantly changing, too. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, I'll, I'll give you an example. So um, when children enter, they have 30 days to give you a medical form. Um, here at the center, we do uh, require that all children are up to date on their immunizations. Some centers do not require that. You can opt out of them, but we actually um, do not take any children that are not up to date. So that's a personal choice of each center. That's something that we decided ourselves. Um, But anyway, I went to the class back in August of 2014. So we're coming up a year later. Okay. So just here soon. And that form has changed two times since I've gone to that class. It changed Hmm. back in March 
of 2015, and it literally just changed last week again. So that just goes to show you how often the rules are changing. So basically what, um, what you're able to do is you're sign, um, you can sign up for them to notify you. So basically they notify me by email if any rules have been modified or changed or eliminated, that type of stuff. But mm -hmm. yes, there are tons and tons of rules. Um, things that you wouldn't even think about, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, that are that are regulation as far as like, I don't know, a toilet brush has to be mounted on a shelf high above the floor in order for children not to be able to come in contact with it. So a lot of them make sense, but it's like you would never think of it without having to, and, and trust me, I'm constantly going back to the rules to make sure that um, you know, we're in compliant and making sure that, you know, we followed every single um, rule that there is. So, yes, lots of regulations. <laughs> yeah, sure. Is there some kind of certification or license that you had to get to operate your center? Absolutely. Yeah. So, basically what happens is um, you do a plan of operation prior to opening up the center. So, basically I did, I did my business plan and that took me about three months to do all that. And then after that, I went to a plan of operation class. You have to schedule for it. Um, they're really hard to get into, but um, so my husband and I both took it. We drove to Toledo. That was the first that we could get into during the summer. Obviously, I was a school teacher, so that was when I was off. I didn't want to have to take off work for that. Um, like I said, it didn't. this place didn't really line up with my timeline, but in 2014 <laughs> of August, we took it. We stayed in a hotel. We went to that class. Um, it was a six-hour class, so it was literally all day, and they basically tell you how to um, do your plan of operation. Your plan of operation is just basically everything, everything, everything you think of, how you're going to wash your hands, when you're going to wash your hands, how you're going to prepare the food, where you're going to prepare the food, where the children will be, how many will be in each room, if there's an emergency, how will you get out of the building, just if there's, you know, it just... Every possible thing that you could think of, you have to lay everything out verbally, like paragraph after paragraph after paragraph. Um, and then what happens after that is you send all that information to the state along with you have to include venues, you have to include fire approval, health approval. Um, you also have to include um, occupancy, which has to be E. You have to include um, administrator requirements. So I am considered the administrator here with my background in education. Um, you know, I qualify to be an administrator. You have to send um, duties of each individual person that's going to be here. You have to hire all your employees prior to um, your specialist coming out. You also have to send verification of your education. There is. There are, I believe there are 19 attachments that you have to send with this plan of operation. Hmm. So once you finish that, you send it to the state. And basically prior to even being able to send that, you have to get fire approval with the building, occupancy, health. And that was a big struggle for us because this building was not an educational building before. It was just a contracting building. So lots of things had to take place in order to actually approve this building per se, hmm. not me, but the building itself. Um, we were on well water and in order to be on well water, there's lots of regulations as far as the state goes um, for childcare. So we would have to have somebody on staff to actually test the water twice a day. And that would have been costly. So um, we paid to have the city extend the water main to the building. So we have city water now. Um, the EPA wouldn't approve our septic tank because, um, I guess the people who were here before us, they never got it approved. It was in great operating order. We paid to have it inspected because that's what we were told to do first. Paid around, I don't know, a couple thousand dollars to get it inspected. They said it was good. Tell the EPA and they're like, wait a minute, hold up. <laughs> There's no septic there. We're like, yes, we just had it approved. That's what you told us to do. And they're like, oh, you're going to have to rip it out. That was never approved before it was put in. So lots of obstacles just as far as just getting into the building. Um, and then there was a lot of obstacles as far as the building department goes. Um, I literally feel like 
the secretary knows my children. She knows me, my <laughs> first name. She knows what kind of candy my kids like. And she would always have it in her desk because that's how frequently I was there. Um, you know, just to get the building ready. Um, and then after that, after all of that's done, you're assigned a specialist from um, Ohio Department of Job and Family Services. And then they come out and they do their initial inspection. Before they do an initial inspection, you absolutely have to have every single room furnished, set up, like you're ready to go. You have to have all your employees hired. You have to have their background checked. You have to have their education um, proof. You have to um, have all that. So they come out and do an inspection. After they do an inspection, then they um, provide you with a provisional license for the first year. So that's basically what I had to do just to get it open. Um, It's a lot, a whole lot of work. Um, Another regulation is that someone on staff who's in the building at all times has had CPR, first aid, communicable disease, child abuse, um, and and everybody has to do the ODJFS orientation. Um, For our center, I decided that everyone would have all four of those um, courses because it's important to me, like, if my child was in the preschool room choking, but the infant room teacher is the one CPR, those are crucial minutes, crucial seconds to get. Sure. And the time it would take to get somebody from a different area just frightened me. <laughs> you know, if, if it was my child choking, I would want the person supervising them at that moment to know exactly what to do. Um, you know, we would hope that that would never happen. But if, God forbid it did, we would want the person right there to know. So all of my employees have CPR, first aid, communicable disease, child abuse um, certifications. So um, for the first year of employment, then they have to have 15 hours of educational, um, basically teaching that can be approved by the center, or it can be, um, there's a, basically like a agency or a resource, it's called OCRA's OCCRRA, they offer lots of um, free courses um, that aren't everything, like technology, outside play, just everything. Um, and you can just sign up for those. So um, in the first year, all your employees have to have at least 15 hours of training. So those four classes are, um, most of them are three-hour courses. So just that will be their 15 hours. But on top of that, the center requires six additional hours every single year so all of our employees will have to at least take two courses um on the minimum you know some of the courses are uh, you know one or two credit hours it's not really like a college course but it's it's a course pertaining to early childhood care okay so when you're developing your staff first of all how many how many folks are on your staff, and what what credentials do you look for when you're hiring? Um, my I have eight people on my staff, including um, a cook and a janitor, or not including, also a cook and a janitor. Um, I obviously look for someone who has background in child childhood. Um, I would prefer people who either have a CDA or early childhood education degree. However, as you know, um, money talks. (laughs) And in the daycare, um, preschool, you know, teachers don't get paid even half as much as what the public school can offer. Um, So with that in mind, I try to, you know, work with my employees. They're not making minimum wage, but, but we, you know, try to be, competitive and, and, you know, because I want quality people here. I don't want to see a lot of turnover. And I would hope that, you know, even people who do not have their CDA, I try to encourage them to get it because it doesn't really take, you know, too long. Um, so I do look for education, background, obviously. Um, and I always ask them what their philosophy is, how they handle discipline, um, because I think that's huge. You know, you have to be positive. Um, you know, you you know, you went on saying, don't throw that. When I say, oh, if you're going to throw that, we're going to have to choose another activity. Just stuff like that. Um, we do have our very first employee meeting this evening, so I guess we'll see how it goes. Um, 
ultimately right now I, just, I haven't had a huge amount of children here so um, I've had one other worker um, here with me plus a cook so um, I haven't really had an opportunity to even see a whole lot of them you know with the children and that, I think that's kind of a downfall to have to have your staff from the beginning mm-hmm. you know because you don't know how they interact with other children if you don't have any children in your center yet because you're not allowed to have them, but you already have to hire your staff. Do you know what I'm saying? Yes. So I think that's kind of a um, disadvantage to uh, center owners and operators because I feel like a working interview would be better as far as um, the center. So, But if this was an established center, I, and and so, like I said, I'm, I feel like I'm just kind of at a disadvantage since I'm just opening and just beginning so that's something that I would like to implement is a working interview come in for a couple hours and and see how they interact with the children now they can't be left alone with the children because of the state however they can actually be in the classroom and and basically um you know help in the classroom to see if they're a good fit or not gotcha most of the businesses that I've interviewed that are successful and the people that are successful have a set of core values. What would yours be? Oh, oh man. I have lots of values and <laughs> beliefs, I think. Um, I think basically what has, like I said, the educational piece is um, huge for me. Um, also, the belief that all children are important and everyone can learn. I think that is another huge factor. Um, I'm trying to think. I have lots of things that I could say, but I don't want to. Um, and I think just realizing that the first five years of children's lives are critical. They really are. And, and, and stressing, stressing that. So, but basically I have, um, seven primary goals that I like, you know, that I want my employees and obviously the families as well to embrace and, you know, try to encourage is um, obviously promoting staff development on an ongoing basis. I want them to be self-sufficient and self-driven. I don't want, you know, me to say, okay, well, you have to do this or you have to do that. I want them to, to want to learn. So just trying to instill that into my staff. Um, obviously, teamwork is huge. So encouraging and promoting um, team, working together as a team. Um, positive and mutually supporting relationships with our families. Um, you know, trying to help them in any way that we can. If it requires me to spend an extra couple minutes. Um, trying to find someone who can help them with whatever issue or problem that they're having, I'll go that extra mile because they're important to us. You know, they're like an extended family. Mm-hmm. Um, also providing, you know, an anti-bias environment where we support, you know, different cultures, different religions, that type of thing. Um, you know, spot or helping children to um, – maximize their intelligence, creativity, obviously building their self-esteem and, um, you know, independence, I guess, and um, a nurturing environment. And finally, obviously, um, providing that learning rich environment where each child's learning is, you know, fostered individually because not all children are exactly the same. So, Taking everyone, every child to the next level, I think, is our goal as a center, um, ultimately. So right. I know that's a lot, but I feel like pretty much need a lot. So right. with, with technology and research that's always coming out, mm-hmm. how how is the classroom environment changing and, and what – you know, you you and I grew up where you're sitting down, the teacher's talking yeah. to you. How how is that changing to to the models of today? Oh my goodness, it is changing, ever changing, every day. I think um, classrooms today, classrooms today, um, are increasing that immediate feedback. 
you know, uh, children are so accustomed to, you know, electronics with immediate feedback. They play a game and it makes a little beepy noise or whatever. Um, but I think there, there's a good balance between good old instruction. I still think that it is very, very important and influential because, I mean, honestly, the recommendations for children um, under the age of five is zero electronics, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I mean, I just took a course on this. So it might change. I don't know. But right now they're still saying, you know, it's best to not um, – expose them to TV or anything, zero minutes. Because um, I know with my own children, I'm very guilty of allowing them to play video games, and it's like pulling teeth to get them to go outside. And so I feel like a lot of children today, not all of them, but a lot of them are just, you know, they're not as fit. They don't exercise enough. Nutrition doesn't play a huge impact. I know this is kind of off the topic of technology, but I think it all plays a huge part sure um technology fitness nutrition they're all like kind of intertwined and you, you wouldn't really think that but they really are because you know instead of riding like i said when i was a kid i played outside i rode my bike i was at the park and swinging and climbing and doing all these things and i think nowadays a lot of children just don't do that and so you know you see deficiency with you know growth motor you see deficiency with you know, nutrition because, you know, they're running here, running there, and grabbing, you know, McDonald's every day. So I think they all play a huge part. And, and, you know, technology is important, but I also think that there needs to be some limitations. Mm -hmm. So, but as far as in the classroom, I think, you know, there needs to be a good balance. Technology um, can help and can improve. I I do know that, you know, my, my most struggling readers, I use technology to really help me. Um, there's a program called Tumble Books, which is basically like an online reading forum. You can click on, they have tons and tons of books. And um, so I like to have like the actual picture book there, and then they click that book, and then they actually have somebody read to them. So I think that's good to help when, you know, you just don't have enough one-on-one ability, but it shouldn't replace the teacher Mm -hmm. because the teacher plays such a huge part. So, like I said, you know, I think there could be a good balance, but okay. not overtake everything. <laughs> like smart board this, El- uh, you know, Elmo this. There's just so much technology that sometimes that good old-fashioned teaching is kind of put to the wayside when it's very important. Mm-hmm. And I just think, too, I mean, <clears throat> think about my own son. My oldest, I feel like he has no interpersonal communication skills. Like, literally, I say, well, why don't you call your friend and say, oh, I'll text them. I'm like, no, call <laughs> and talk to someone. Like, or I'll say, you know, hey, can you go in there and see if you can get a fork? And he's like, you you mean I got to talk to him? Yeah. I mean, what do you mean do you have to talk to him? So I think, you know, sometimes we we rely so heavily on technology it's really hindering our children today (laughs) i don't know i hope that you know i mean i hope that some people might disagree with me but i i absolutely think that you know children need to learn how to interact and communicate and normally like you said you know you said an email and you're like oh no that didn't sound right well because written language is very different than spoken language you can have the same sentence and it be conceived a different way in written form. So, you know, I think there has to be absolutely a better balance between, you know, interpersonal communication as far as technology goes. Sure. So I hope I answered your question. No, absolutely. <laughs> what – there's a lot of parents that obviously – are not only deeply interested in their kids receiving great education, especially, let's say, under the age of five, mm-hmm. but but they're, they'll make the investment of time and resources to do mm-hmm. that. Is there a single book or resource that you would recommend as a best, best practice for a, a parent with a young child? Oh, as far as parents go, I'm trying to think. I think... Um, um, the, the book that, that kind of sticks out, and I, like I said, I'm an avid reader, so I kind of have two books that I really, really like. I think 
um, one of the books is more heavily um, focused towards educators, not necessarily just educators, but parents of children too, but when education is their focus, um, the knowledge deficit, which is like closing the gap, it basically is tons of research telling, you know, people who read the, the book about how important it is to, you know, lessen that gap between um, deficiencies. Whereas for just a parent who normal, <laughs> normal reading, that's not very, you know, want tons of like um, research based and lots of numbers and stuff like that. Um, the book Motivated Minds, Raising Children to Love Learning, because I think that's, that's huge is just teaching children that learning is so important. That's why I said, you know, my children will say, hey, breathe education because you have to foster that in them. And if you show them that education is important, I mean, even my son who's in high school, if there is an event at his school, I am there. Mm -hmm. I go, you know, and not just kind of dropping off at third, fourth grade because I think parents are very involved, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, and they start slowly dropped off at third grade and then fourth grade a little more and then more parents of fifth grade. And you'd be surprised how many parents just don't do anything in the middle school and it's like, you still have to foster that love for learning. You really do. Because if it's not important to you, it will not be important to them. Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes parents just don't realize their influence and it's huge. So yeah, I would definitely say um, Raising Children to Love Learning, which is an excellent book. Okay. Question I always like to ask my guess at the end is what legacy are you hoping to leave with your work in the world? Oh, that's a good question. I think most of all, just, um, just, I am actually proof that, you know, anything is possible. You can, if you set your mind to it, if you have your heart in it, it can be done. And, and if you don't let anything get in your way. And I mean, I could have thrown in the towel many days, trust me, just just opening this place. Like I said, we, we got the building in October. I couldn't even get my license until July. As you can imagine, that was a long, rough, rough road mm-hmm. because, A, I quit my job. I didn't have an income. My husband was supporting me, him, and our four children, and I was the breadwinner. So it was, it was very difficult. <laughs> so I just think, you know, if you have – Something that you, you know, are passionate about, don't ever give up. Don't ever let any small obstacle get in your way because you can make it happen. I think that's basically, you know, and, and just instilling in children that that learning, you know, to love learning. Learning is, is everything. <laughs> okay. That's great. Uh, before we let you go, Tiffany, for the audience – and we'll put this in the show notes as well. How can how can people connect with you? Well, you can a number of ways. Obviously, um, we do have a website. It's www.youngleaders.com. On there, you can actually send us a message. It just sends us an email through the website. Um, we're always at the center, 6 to 6, Monday through Friday. Or you could always call me at the center at 513 513- Seven six zero six two two two, and also I don't know how soon this would be on, but we are having a free family festival this weekend for all families. Everyone, anyone doesn't have to be anybody who um, has signed up, or maybe they're not even planning on signing up. That's fine too. It's it's for the children to get outside, have fun, play games. Like I said, you know, fostering that um, fitness and just being outside and enjoying life. Um, but it is this Saturday, July the 18th, from 12 to 4 at the center, which is located at um, 2520 Ross Millville Road, um, right next to the Animal Adoption Foundation. So mm-hmm. that's a opportunity to people just to kind of come. They can actually go into the center and take a look or um, let their children jump in the bounce house, get their face painted, play some carnival games, win some prizes, that kind of stuff. So we are having that this weekend. So that would be another great opportunity. <laughs> right. Well, yeah, the show will be on in the next day or two, so there will be at least a small small notice yeah. on that. So. Okay. 
Well, Tiffany, I really appreciate you being on the show today. Uh, this was wonderful to interview you and, and, and hear your story. Thank you. Okay. I appreciate it. Sure. Well, if you can hold the line, I'm just going to wrap up the show. Sure. Thank you for tuning in to the Outstanding Ohioan Show, episode 34. Our guest today was Tiffany Young, the owner of the Young Leaders Learning Center in Ross, Ohio. Have a great day. Thank you for listening.